Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. For those of you who might be listening for the first time, the reason I say good morning, afternoon, and evening, even though it is uh, morning here in lovely Vero Beach, Florida. It's because you may be listening on iHeartRadio. I have people that listen in 61 countries to the recording afterwards and listen live on iHeartRadio. So I never know what time zone somebody's in. So I always like to welcome them to whatever time zone that they happen to be in for the show. And I want to dive right in because I have so many questions for my my current guests that I have today. My guest is Lori Sorensen. She works for ConnectWise now because the company that she used to work for that her father built and grew, HTG, just got acquired and merged with ConnectWise. And you may recognize the last name Sorensen because I had her dad on. So Lori is my first second generation guest on the show. This is the first time I've ever had... Um, two generations interviewed separately on on my show, and it is so exciting to have her here with me. Uh, I can go on and on and on about what Lori does, but basically the best way to describe who Lori is as a person is somebody that loves to help people discover who they are as leaders, as people, who they are walking with their faith, their joy, and just who they are in the world today. So we're going to talk about that, and she's going to teach us some ways that you can help find your way in the world. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks, Laura. It's great to be here. And are you in Omaha, or are you in Tampa today? Today, I'm actually in Harlan, Iowa, which is uh, our family farm and where HCG Peer Groups is headquartered. That is awesome. So you have to say hi to your mom and dad for me. I will. <laughs> <laughs> and your, your dad's been on the show a couple of times, Arlen Sorensen. He was on uh, several, about a month or so ago, actually. And it's Yeah, ex- I, I, I always <laughs> learn a lot from his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a very, very special man, and I'm honored that mm-hmm. he calls me friend and to be able to call him friend and to get mm-hmm. to know you better because of it. You know, I, I was part of HTG Peer Groups when I had my tech company, and I learned so much there. And... The work you guys are doing has developed in quantum leaps is really the only way to describe it. Yeah, it, he calls it the best business accident that ever happened. He <laughs> never intended to build either of his companies, but um, that's what happens when you have a dream and you pursue it. Now, what's interesting for me is when I was involved in the tech world initially and I was part of the HTG peer groups, for a good portion of that, you were in China doing mm-hmm. mission work in China. Mm-hmm. And then you came back and your father said, consider doing this and working with me on it. What made you decide to go to China and work in China for a number of years? It's not something you expect an Iowan farm girl to consider doing. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, When I was nine years old, my grandmother and my mother took me out of school for a day to go to a missions conference at our church. And my grandma told me that um, I couldn't go overseas now 
and share with people about my faith in Jesus, but I could start praying for them. And she introduced me to a missionary from Thailand and bought me a doll from a tribe um, that was actually a tribe of refugees that lived in northern Thailand up in the mountains. And she told me to start praying for that tribe, that they would have access to the Bible, that churches would be built there, um, that people would have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. And so I did. I started praying faithfully. I got a notebook, and um, as only a nine-year-old could do, I wrote very childish prayers that God would protect the missionaries from bugs and um, help people to know Jesus. And then when I got to college, I had an opportunity to go to Asia um, and to go to Thailand and to share my faith. And ironically, it was the exact tribe that I had been praying for all those years. And I was there to help them build seminaries um, so that they could go out and teach others in the mountains about Jesus. And so um, part of that journey was just falling in love with the continent of Asia. And when I was in, uh, at Iowa State, most of my friends were Chinese, and they would tell me, Lori, you're going to the wrong Asian nation. You must promise <laughs> us that you will go to China. <laughs> so I made that promise. And uh, lo and behold, doors opened, and I ended up in China for two years. Loved every second of it. What's fascinating is this whole concept of you, in your own way, as a nine-year-old girl, were developing your life plan without mm -hmm. consciously realizing it. Right. Yeah, the seeds were definitely planted in my life early. I mean, my grandparents were always having missionaries over to their house, and my grandmother would always write them letters and encourage them overseas. So... My family had a huge influence on my life through their legacy, um, and those seeds carried forward now even to adulthood. I love the fact that you just said seeds, considering that you're sitting in an office on a farm right now. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Omaha with you at the beginning of February doing mm -hmm. my life plan, which I never really thought it was something I needed. You know, I help people develop their own life plans, right? And I always thought mm -hmm. I knew mine. But then something dramatically changed in my life. My listeners all know my mom passed away six months ago. And I just felt lost and I felt adrift. Mm -hmm. When you came back from China, did you feel some of that as well? That's, you know, like you had completed something big, but now you were back and didn't know where you needed to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, people have probably heard of the term culture shock, which is when we go from a culture that we've been born and raised in into a culture that's new to us and different. Um, and just the shock that goes through our system from that. Um, I'm a little bit odd in that I didn't have a lot of culture shock when I went into China, but I had a, a lot of culture shock coming back to the U.S. It was called reverse culture shock, and it was much more severe for me than culture shock going into China. In, in what um, way? Well, one example is, you know, I've grown up on the farm, and so I knew what country life was like. But in the three months that I lived with my parents after China trying to find what would be next for me, I started having panic attacks because even though my mind knew that I was safe, my um, body and my heart went, you know, in China, there are always thousands of people outside. And when I look out my window, there is no one outside. Why are people in their houses? Why are there no people? It must be unsafe here. And my body started to react to that. 
Um, that was a culture shock moment. I, I would imagine that on some level you felt that something was missing, right? Because you were so used to being with so many people, being alone with your thoughts without having something to occupy them while you were having that panic attack must have been crippling. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a shift, you know, from being very much um, in public and pouring into others to kind of having to step back and say, okay, right now I have to figure out my own life and what does this season look like for me? How did you go about beginning to figure out what that new life was going to be for you? Because you spent your whole life from nine years old preparing to go to China. Right. And now all of a sudden that's done. Yep. So my parents were a huge influence on that. Um, You had mentioned earlier my father starting the companies and um, inviting me to come back and join him in that as part of his legacy plan. Um, And so that was definitely, you know, part of the consideration. Another option I had was to return to teaching first grade, um, which I had done for five years and absolutely loved or to pursue um, possibly going back to the mission field again for a longer time. So what I did in that season was um, pray a lot and engage my faith, talk to wise counselors and mentors, um, listen to my parents' advice. And Laura, honestly, I cried a lot. (laughs) I cried and I journaled and I processed and just tried to give myself a season of kind of grieving the loss of what was a really special time in my life, um, but also opening myself to embrace whatever was next. I love that. You gave yourself a season to grieve. A lot of people Mm -hmm. don't, they think of grieving strictly as like what I'm going through, the loss of a person, like somebody dies, Mm -hmm. but grieving happens with loss of all different kinds. In your case, Mm -hmm. the loss of a country, China, Mm -hmm. the loss of what you did for your purpose, right? You were a missionary. Mm -hmm. Was there anything, one specific question that stands out in your mind that helped you get through that grieving time? I don't know if there was so much a question as just um, always remembering that God had been faithful to me in every single season of my life. And so I could trust that he would continue to be faithful to me. I talk a lot about how if I look back over the path of my life, it's covered by his fingerprints, like they're all over every season. And so he just um, reassured me. He says, Lori, when you cannot trust what I'm doing right now, because you feel like you can't see it, I want you to look up and look at the stars. And remember that in the Bible, I made a huge promise to Abraham that I was going to make his descendants as many as the stars in the heaven. And I did that for him. And that's where the nation of Israel came from. He said, look at the stars and remember that I'm always faithful to my promises. If I was faithful to Abraham, I'll be faithful to you. I love that. That is so great. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with um, Lori Sorensen about creating your own life plan. I spent two days with Lori immersed in being asked a ton of questions with this process that came from the Patterson Center that um, HTG does. And Lori has actually written a book, Planning for Success, the HTG Way, which includes four plans, legacy, life, leadership, and business. And we're going to be talking more about life plans and some ways that you can begin creating your personal life plan 
which I have to tell you was one of the most transformative experiences of my entire life when I did this with Lori in Omaha. But I don't recommend leaving Florida at 85 to arrive in Omaha at 8 degrees snowing. Right, Lori? <laughs> that was just burr. So we'll be right back with more from Lori Sorensen. And we are back. If you're joining us um, live on iHeartRadio, you listen to some news and some of our wonderful sponsors for the show. And if you're on the podcast, it was instantaneous. So, Lori, we were we talked about sort of how you moved into the work you're doing today with now ConnectWise, formerly with HTG, your, your family company. At what is it about a life plan that you feel is so critical for everybody to go through that process? Yeah, Laura, just like you um, articulated earlier, a life plan is something that really opens up who we are and allows us to see ourselves holistically. So when we talk about the life plan, there are five domains that we look at that we find to be true of most people. So one is the personal domain, and we take a look at, you know, who are you emotionally? How is your intellect doing? How is your physical health doing? Um, And then the second domain is your family. How is your life impacting your family and those that you live with? The third domain we look at, how is your life intersecting in terms of your career? Um, And the fourth domain is the spiritual domain, which I talk to people about as what is sacred to you and what does it look like for you to live fully into what is sacred to you, whether that's a relationship with God or whether you find what is sacred in nature or whether you're just curious spiritually and you're not sure what that looks like for you. And then the fifth domain is all about community and how does your life intersect or impact other groups of people? It might be a volunteer organization, groups of friends, your extended family, your kids' schools, an HTG peer group or other professional networking organization. Um, So we look at all five of those domains and go through about 20 exercises that by the end of it, I tell people your heart is going to be on a wall all around this room. And it's amazing how it just kind of funnels out the bottom in light of who you are and what you've done to get to this point. Here's how you should go forward. Here's a plan for the next year. What surprised me yet didn't surprise me were the questions that Mm -hmm. were asked during the different exercises that you talked about, these 20 different plus exercises. And I was very grateful that you had boxes of tissues (laughs) nearby because some of the stuff, if you're really willing to be honest, you've probably experienced this more than just in mine. Um, Mm -hmm. You you sort of have to break down in order Mm -hmm. to see what, Mm -hmm. what your life really is in those five domains. Would you say that happens for a lot of people? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And the reality of us as human beings is we all come into this world, you know, and we're put into families and we have what we call the true self, which is who we are at our core. But at some point in our lives, we get the message that it's not safe for me to fully be who I am. And so we have a tendency to put up in front of us what I'll call the false self, you know, where I will show this self to the world because it's how I'm loved by either my friends or my family or my teachers. And we kind of learn to cope by changing who we are a little bit. And so in the life plan, people often come in with their false self showing, and they just want to be accepted and loved and show you that they've lived a good life. 
And as a facilitator, it's my job to discern, you know, is that really true? Um, And then I try to ask questions that help them to get back to that true self and that core of who they are to make sure that we're planning out of who they truly are and not just who they want the world to perceive them to be. My favorite question for helping people get to the the truth, their own personal truth of who they are, is the why question. But that Mm. wasn't a big question that you asked. I mean, it was there, but there were so many Mm -hmm. other questions. Is there one in particular that you have found helps people unlock themselves or be willing to sort of crack that armor? Or any one particular exercise? Yeah, I think the question varies by the person. Um, I just try to listen to their story and ask whatever question comes to me. But as far as exercise-wise, there's a construct in the um, life plan that we call the talent heart assessment. And what we're trying to do is look for a sweet spot between what talents does this person have that they're able to do and then what are they really passionate about and where do those two things intersect? And this is one where I often see people tear up because you get to the core of who they truly are and they go, that's me, that's who I am. And they may not be living out those talents or that heart right now, but they recognize we have excavated down to the core layer and we've hit home with who they are. One way we do that is we don't describe talents in a way um, most of us are accustomed to talking about them. We don't talk about how, oh, you're good at music or you're athletic or you're good at sports. Instead, we try to take words that we've seen come out in their life plan so far and write down those adjectives and verbs and then just start playing with language and seeing what comes together and what comes out of this that describes who you are. And without fail, in every life plan I facilitated, we've come up with three to five um, that the person feels like are really true of them. That exercise for me was life-changing because... Mm. I had have had trouble for a number of years now trying trying to describe, you know, what my purpose is, and other than caretaking for my mom. And yeah, I do my radio show. I like to help people change their perspectives, and and my book and stuff. But the way you back into it throughout the the two days was for me mind blowing mm. because it's 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 there but not in a way we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll i share with my listeners, I got perspective shifter, truth seeker, intuitive healer, and loving caretaker. But then, um, Lori, one of the things you did with it was we had to define what that was. It wasn't just mm-hmm. using those words. So why is that important to define your own definition of what that means. Yeah, I think it helps you to own your talent more and to understand what does it look like for me to truly live this out. Um, But it also helps you to own the fact that you're uniquely glorious. There may be another perspective shifter in the world, but I bet they don't shift perspective the same way you do. So when you define what that is and how that has looked in your life in the past and how you anticipate it looking in the future, it helps to distinguish between people who may have similar talents. So is that your favorite exercise of of all the ones in the life plan? (laughs) 
I think picking a favorite life plan exercise for me would be like picking a favorite child, but (laughs) it is one of my favorites. That one in the life plan dashboard, um, where we come to what we call the the pathway of your life. um, And we look at, you know, your purpose for living and your vision for the future. Those would be my two favorites. So the the one we just talked about was the talent heart um, exercise. And then when we come back from the national news, let's talk about the the life dashboard and, and sort of how you get people some, maybe some things that people can do to start after this show, not while you're driving the car, if you're driving the car, to help them begin figuring out their own life plan, a couple of things they can do. We'll be right back with more from Lori Sorensen. Welcome back, everyone. Excited to continue the conversation with Lori Sorensen, author of Planning for Success, the HTG Way, um, available at htgpeergroups.com right now. And it's it's about creating plans for your life, your legacy, leadership, business. But we're today talking about life plans because I was gifted with this amazing two days to do my own life plan by Arlen Sorensen, who has been a guest on my show just a month or so ago. Actually, he was back on the show again. And Lori did my life plan. And I have to tell you that it, ripped me apart and built me up and for the first time in a number of years I actually felt connected to not only a single part of me which I had been connected to with my mom as a caregiver but to other parts of me that I had suppressed in some ways in order to do what I really needed to do and wanted to do which was be with my mom so, Lori, thank you for uh, being here today with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for letting me be here. So we were talking before the national news break about a couple of different exercises in the, the two-day life plan process. And you mentioned the My Life dashboard. If you had to pick a couple of things in the exercises that you liked, one was the Talent Heart and the My Life dashboard. Can you explain a little bit about that and how my guests may begin to think about some of these things for themselves? Sure. So if you think about, you know, you're in this life plan process and you've been spending a day and a half with a facilitator um, going through exercise after exercise after exercise, just excavating who you are as a person and what's happened in your life up to this point, um, you kind of need something to bring it all together because at this point people feel overwhelmed. Um, and the life dashboard does that. It's amazing how themes start to jump off the charts from other um, constructs. And so you begin to draw those together. And on the dashboard, you talk about things like, you know, what is my true purpose? Why do I exist? And we could joke about how philosophers have been struggling with that question for eons. Can we really figure it out for ourselves? Um, But, Laura, honestly, what I find is client after client, when we look across their life plan, we're able to come to a 15-word statement that they feel accurately gets to why they exist on this planet. Um, And then once they've determined that, we say, okay, now imagine that you've lived out this purpose perfectly for the next 20 to 30 years. And let's write a legacy statement of what has happened in your life. We're almost looking backwards from a future point and describing what our life has been. 
when and if we live out that purpose perfectly. And then we talk about what are some steps that I'm going to need to take to get there? What are some risks that might keep me from achieving those purpose and that beautiful vision? And then um, what are some signs that I'm on my path and doing well that I could share with someone who loves me and who could help me stay accountable? There was one aspect of the dashboard exercise that, well, the whole thing (laughs) completely shaped me. (laughs) But the vital signs, I thought, was interesting and something my listeners might be able to start applying to their lives today. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. When you think about going into a hospital ER room, you know, there are three or four or five things that medical professionals are trained to look at right away. I think one is probably your skin pallor. They might look at your fingernails. Um, They can just, from a glance, know if you're healthy or not and how you're doing. So this is meant to be similar to that. It's meant to provide three to five things that someone who's keeping you accountable can look at and immediately know she's on track, he's on track, or they're off track. And we need to really look at these key areas so that they can continue to walk toward their purpose and their life um, legacy vision. I'm I'm trying to figure out the the best way to to ask this question. Uh, Vital signs for a lot of my listeners are not something they pay attention to. And Mm -hmm. and I'll share a a couple of my vital signs so we can take the conversation going. I'm known for sharing like (laughs) intimate details about what's going on for me. And (laughs) one of the things was my energy and health and Mm -hmm. my home as a sanctuary. Because since mom died, my home hasn't felt like a sanctuary. It's a place I didn't want to be because there were too many memories. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about putting it down on paper, like writing it down. There, There's a chart that you have them do. Like I've got home is sanctuary. It's a blue line with an arrow pointing to the right and a yellow dot. And under my energy health, it's a red dot with a line with no arrows on it. Why mm-hmm. is it important to rate where you're at? Yeah, we encourage people, you know, to slow down once a month um, and reflect on their life. And the life dashboard is a huge part of that. We want them to ask themselves, am I on track? Do I feel like I'm healthy in each of these vital sign areas? And is there movement in these vital signs, either toward becoming healthier or less healthy? And we want them to note that so that it's visual in front of them. Um, you mentioned the colors, and the colors should jump out like a stoplight, right? So if it's green, it's healthy. If it's yellow, it's caution. There's something I need to pay attention to. And if it's red, it means this is broken. I need to fix this. And a lot of people don't do that. They just assume that it's either working or not working. There's no in-between and when you are stuck, you tend not to even realize that there may be momentum. How does somebody go about on their own, if they don't have somebody like you to help them see that there may be movement and they don't realize it is? I think that's where having a witness to our life um, is really key. We talk a lot in HTG about accountability and inviting others into our life to speak into what's going on. 
because we have people around us who love us, who want the best for us, and who will tell us the truth, even when it hurts. So when you can invite a family member or a friend to walk that closely with you and to regularly have permission to step on your toes um, and to voice into your life, it is so helpful in knowing whether or not you have movement or not, because honestly, it happens gradually. It's a slow fade away from health in these places. And sometimes our progress, because we often are so critical of ourselves, is not something that we take note of. But having someone who's close to us say, you know what, you actually are really doing well here. Don't be so hard on yourself. That can be helpful, and that can help us acknowledge progress. You've done life plans with people from all spectrums, Uh, business Mm -hmm. people who are in family businesses. So you've done, you know, spouses. You've done this with individual CEOs of some pretty large companies. Mm -hmm. Is there any area that you found is the most challenging for them or some recurring um, themes, I guess, is the only way I can describe it? Because I know for me what my what my theme was (laughs) throughout all of this was not what I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of funny. You know, I have, like you said, done it for a diverse group of people. We do couples life plans. We do individuals. I've done it for um, people who are in the workforce, people who are not in the workforce, people who are retirement age, people who are younger. But one thing I've learned is something Arlen says all the time. It's that people are people everywhere. And no matter what our age or our life stage or our work situation, there are commonalities. And one of them is that a lot of people are living very small lives. And what I mean by that is they're somewhat isolated. And so we go through different life phases, and it's likely that one domain is very, very active, but the other four may be neglected during that life phase. And the life plan kind of opens their eyes to that, and they see, wow, I don't have a lot going on spiritually, or a community is another one that's often neglected. They say, you know, I've focus so much on my family or on my career in this season that I'm really not um, interacting with groups or having an impact outside of my career or my family. So the life plan is very eye-opening. There's that famous quote, the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, (laughs) the life plan will examine every aspect of your life, and it pulls out those themes of areas that are going well, areas that we need to improve. One area that was a struggle for me during my life plan was family, because with my mm-hmm. mom passing away, my immediate family was gone. And I, yeah. but you made me realize that I still have family. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about my cousins and my aunt and uncle, but I just needed to redefine what family is for me. And mm-hmm. I, ha- I, I never saw that until you helped me do that. And I think that's a great example of how the life plan is transformative, because when people have a clear vision, whether it's in one domain or across their whole life, they get energized by that. And it's almost like they come fully alive again, because these areas that have been dormant, they feel like new energy is going into them. It it truly did energize me tremendously, but it also scared the heck out of me <laughs> because now I'm like oh I have to I have to do this now I I just have mm. to immediately dive in 
And my past pattern is always give a thousand percent, which would deplete me again because I'd go in to one of those domains and forget mm-hmm. about the other four again. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the funny thing is when you look at brain research, when we are able to envision something clearly and specifically, our brain wants to help us achieve those goals. And so it naturally rewires itself. It's called neuroplasticity to help you achieve your goals. And so writing out that legacy statement of all that you want your life to be and all that your life could be, you are automatically on the path toward that, even if you're not taking one active step on your life plan. And that's the perfect way. That's the perfect way we're going to go right into our last commercial break. We'll be back. Lori, you were talking about neuroplasticity. Let's continue that. Sure. I was just uh, commenting that you and I over break had been talking about your life plan and how, you know, in your own mind, you were like, oh, I haven't made as much progress as I want. And then you looked at your wind wheel and realized, actually, I've done a lot of these things. But I wasn't checking in with it, so I didn't mm -hmm. realize it. Exactly. So... So the the act of the life plan, I'm looking at my life plan on a page right now, actually helps you realize that you're actually moving forward. Mm-hmm. It does. And it almost becomes intuitive where, um, yes, you do need to do the monthly check-ins. I'm not saying don't be accountable, but it almost runs in the background of your mind and you're on course because you've defined this pathway and it's so clear and it's so simple and it's so you um, that, yeah, there are small tweaks and course corrections along the way, but you're really motivated to walk that path. What's one thing somebody could do right now to get started? I think um, one tip that I would give people to get started on their life plan is just to sit down and, you know, you could write out a list of verbs and a list of adjectives that really resonate with you. And when I'm talking about verbs that resonate, I mean verbs that are action verbs, like serve or teach or empower. And then ask yourself, who do I empower or what do I empower? And then why, what's the impact of that? And that's where those adjectives come in. From those lists of words, just start playing with language and see if you can come up with a 15 word mission statement. It's a fun exercise, Um, you know, run it by your friends and your family and say, what do you think? Is this true of me? But it really does provide direction for our lives. Um, Would you be willing to share your life purpose while you exist? I know I didn't ask you this in advance, so (laughs) I'm kind of throwing (laughs) you you on the spot there. (laughs) No, I'm happy to share. So my life purpose is I exist to be an echo of Jesus's invitation to people to come. Because throughout Scripture, you see over and over again where he's telling people, just come and see, come and see. And so that's what I want my life to be. It's just a big neon arrow pointing people to say, come and check out who Jesus is. And I would have to say, knowing you as I know you, you definitely do that. What surprised, oh, thank me, you. What surprised me was mine. And I've not shared mm-hmm. this with very many people yet, um, but it's sitting here right in front of me. And you wrote, you know, on this thing, it says, my life purpose, why I exist. I exist to shift people's perspectives, say, align with their truth, mm-hmm. whatever that may be for them, but helping them clear the clutter and all those extraneous things so that they're seeing their truth. And you're doing that for so many people mm-hmm. every time you do the life plan. 
is you bring them closer to themselves. And mm-hmm. that is such a beautiful gift, Lori, that you do for people, even when you're not conducting these two-day life plans. <laughs> it's sort of who you are, because I had the honor while I was there, you let me go to dinner and with you and do some other things that... Um, I kind of got the impression you don't do with everybody that's there Mm -hmm. for the life plans. (laughs) And I got to see you in your life. Hmm. And you truly live who you are in every aspect Hmm. of your life that I saw. That's a beautiful gift. Well, thank you for those kind words. And honestly, Laura, I feel like I'm the privileged one because people every day invite me into their stories and they share their life with me in ways that I feel so um, thankful to have that stewardship of just being with them in those two days and walking them through this precious, precious process. So thanks for being one of those who extended the invitation and let me walk with you. It it was really great. I I owe your dad so big (laughs) (laughs) enabling me to to have this. Um, In that life dashboard you were talking about, you, you mentioned the risk constraint pyramid. Have you seen any, how does somebody begin to fill that out? We don't have a lot of time left in the show, but I think it's important for people to understand a little bit about that. Yeah, these are the things where we say, you know, what might keep me from achieving my purpose in this beautiful vision? And so for some people, it's an addiction. And honestly, for many of us, technology is an addiction today. Um, You know, for others, they may have an addiction to a substance or even to busyness. Um, Other things we look at are, what are some relationships that might be in trouble um, in my life that might be a risk? Do I have health constraints? Um, Do I have financial constraints? Things like that can all be risks that keep us from our desired future. And it doesn't have to be something you thought about. For me... I thought for sure that um, money or revenue would be a big thing or limiting thoughts. And it turned out that they were much higher on the pyramid. Everybody think of like the food pyramid that you, that you think about, you know, where Mm -hmm. it says here, you should have the most of, of fruits and vegetables and going all the way up. And it just looking at it that way, and there's five things, right? One, two, three, there's five risks or constraints on the pyramid, right? So everybody Mm -hmm. should start thinking about that in the areas of the five domains, which were again? Personal, family, career, spiritual, or what's sacred to you, and community. I I love that. Um, We're coming to the end of the show, but is there one last thing you'd like to share with the audience in addition to how they can reach out to you, because I just checked my email and somebody's like, I want to talk to Lori. <laughs> how do I reach out to her if I have some questions or find out more about life plans? Yeah. Well, I would just tell them that, you know, life planning is one of the most powerful things that you could do. It's worth the investment because you're worth the investment. And uh, yeah, we just consider it a privilege to walk with people. So if you are interested in learning more, you can reach out to me by email at l. Sorensen, that's L-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N, at htgpeergroups.com. And if they wanted to get a copy of the book to begin exploring it on their own? 
Yeah, they could um, reach me at that email address as well or go to htgpeergroups.com, resources and planning for success. Uh, I'm hoping that we will get this book available in a lot of other places as well so that people can really begin to uh, do this. I, I always felt that life planning was important, but I focused even more of my life on another part of the, the work you guys do, Stratop, strategic mm-hmm. operations. I, I've always mm-hmm. focused on the business side of it and sort of like, okay, here's what I want to do with my life, but not on this level. And I've come to realize through you that without this, at the level you do it, the rest of it doesn't seem to um, come together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So many of us, you know, live this full professional life, but we let the personal life just kind of happen. So it's worth putting equal energy into your personal life as you do your company. And last thought before we go. Hmm. I'm just really thankful for this opportunity today, Laura, and I hope that the listeners have felt like they could begin their own life plan journey. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you are definitely living your life purpose in so many ways and affecting people. And I, I know that you've made a difference for my listeners just based on some comments I've already gotten. <laughs> so, Well, thank you, Laura. It's been a joy to be here. So um, enjoy the farm. Hopefully Omaha is a good weather day today. <laughs> it is. <laughs> good, because you don't get too many of those in April. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for being here with me. I, I've had the honor of talking to Lori Sorensen today, and you can reach out to her at lsorensen at htgpeergroups.com if you want to find about more about the life plans or go to htgpeergroups.com to um, order a copy of the book, Planning for Success the HTG Way. Remember, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life And the life plan process to me really answered a lot of questions for me and gave me some brilliant new questions. We're going to be talking about those some more as the weeks go on. I encourage you, um, look at the five domains in your life and hug somebody you love because you know what? That's all part of who we are as human beings. Have a great day, everyone. been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.